Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Today we're talking about the big three, talking about the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the three baptisms, the Great Commission, uh, who the Godhead is, the Trinity, and so what we see in all of them is uh, salvation, water, and spirit. Salvation, water, spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so if you remember the Great Commission, this is our action step. This is the body. This is who we are called to uh, be or how we are called to go. It pertains to each of us. If you call yourself a believer, this is you. It's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is the Great Commission. This is our why. This is, this is the staple of redefined church, right? We call this discipleship. This is one of the three anchors of our church. And it says go. It says go and don't stop. Okay, it doesn't say go, done. It doesn't say cross the line. Go and don't stop. Therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You see the three baptisms there, uh, salvation, water, and spirit. Go. And what's unique about the Amplified Version, it says help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words. And when you talk about that, we're talking about obeying the truth, right? This is the truth. And so, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, big three present right here. And it says, teach him to observe everything I command you. And lo, I am with you always, always, remaining with you perpetually, always, regardless of circumstance, regardless of how you feel today, regardless of uh, occasion, and on every occasion, rather. Happy Memorial Day, even to the end of the age. If you look at the Great Commission and you uh, see where it ties into the great commandment or the golden rule, this is relationship for us. The Holy Spirit's all through this, and so it's right here in front of us. We must teach it today. The golden rule, and um, this is about relationship, right? And what you see is it says, love the Lord your God. The Pharisees are messing with Jesus. They're trying to get him to slip up, say something he's not supposed to. He says, listen, just love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And what you see here is love. Everything begins with love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. No greater love than this. The man laid down his life. Love, 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 love God and love those around you. You see, you see the cross there. And when you see that, you're seeing um, really Acts 1.8 come into fruition, right? Acts 1.8, this is the key verse that the whole book of Acts hinges on, right? It says, you receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me. That's what he says. Both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and even the ends of the earth. So then through the Holy Spirit, believers will be witnesses. Will be witnesses. The Holy Spirit changes everything. And what you see in Acts 1.8 is a direct extension of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment that was given to us for the Great Commandments. And so the Holy Spirit in us means that we go without stopping. It's discipleship. And we love, regardless of opinion, God and others as ourselves, which allows us to be witnesses to the entire human race. And because we're in a time right now where believers already exist, believers already exist, our action step to witness can be found in Acts 2, 42-47. How do we witness? We witness in community. This is who we are. It's who we're called to be as a body of believers. Acts 2, 42-47. Like I said, this is a time where there are already, we live in a time where believers are already existent. A lot of them have walked away from the church, but they're here. So then those who are being baptized, and on that day, 3,000 souls were added to the body, and they were continually, 
and faithfully devoting themselves to the fellowship and eating meals together and prayer. There's three things there if you want to have those to be the big three. They're not. And a sense of all was on them, was felt by everyone, and wonders and signs attesting the miracles were taking place through the apostles. And those who believed, those who believed in Jesus as a Savior, had all things in common. They had things in common. What does that mean? When we come together, as believers, we focus on what we have in common. That creates, that creates opportunity for us to have more things in common. But if every time we come around each other, we complain about all the things that we don't like, we're not going to find commonality. We focus on the positives, right? And so then they began selling property and they were sharing the proceeds with everyone. It's amazing. And day after day, they met continuing with one mind. There was unity because there was commonality. And they broke bread in various homes. They ate together with joy and generous hearts, praising God continually, having favor with all people. And the Lord kept adding to the number of those who were being saved. Salvation. Right? And so what you see here, this is Redefined Church. This is, our, this is, this is who we are. What you see is relationship. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors, yourself. Love. Love, love, love. That's rooted in real relationship. Right? You only love those who you really know, who you really trust. Love and trust, relationship, love. Next you see discipleship. What does this mean? The simple word to describe this is go. Go and be witnesses. Go and don't stop. Go. Make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, those three. What do you see after that? Community. This is Acts 2, 42-47. Be consistent. Be devoted. Be together like family. Be disciples. Be disciples. And God will continue to add to the number who uh, those who are being Save these three examples are encapsulated in Acts 2.42. And because the 3,000 people continue to meet and continue to witness, you and me are here today. God added to their number those who are going to heaven, and here we are. And so then, in Matthew 28, when Jesus is telling us to go and make disciples, he's saying, all power, all power that was given to me is now given to you. You see it in John 16, 13 through 15. But when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will guide you into all truth, full and complete truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son, and he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. That's prophecy, by the way. He will glorify and honor me because he, the Holy Spirit, will take from me what is mine and disclose it to you. All things... All that the Father has our mind. Because of this, I said that He, the Spirit, will take from what is mine and He will reveal it to you. He will reveal it to you. And so what you see from the commission in the Holy Spirit is, is that Jesus said, all power and authority has been given to me. Lo, I'll be with you, right? And so then in John 16, 8, He confirms, it says, and He, the Holy Spirit, when He, the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world of guilt, <clears throat> of the guilt of sin, the need of a Savior, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit's going to convict us of three things. Sin, righteousness, judgment. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to lead us to Jesus. The only reason we know we need a Savior is because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to us. And so, in receiving, once that conviction happens, remember, it's, it's conviction, not condemnation. You're not a terrible person. You need a Savior. So you got to change your perception on that. Perspective, perception, whatever. So then when, when he convicts the world of their sin and they understand they need a Savior, once you receive the Savior, he convicts you that you're now in right standing with God. It's a constant reminder. Hey, remember, you're in right standing with God. No, don't do that anymore. You're in right standing with God. And once 
you're in right standing with God, he convicts you that Satan doesn't have authority over you anymore. That evil cannot overpower you because now you have the opportunity. You have the ability to resist the devil so he will flee from you. You're in right standing with God and you have authority. What do you see there? Salvation, water baptism, spirit baptism. And so what you see with these convictions and with the Holy Spirit, they align with the Great Commission. The big three, right? Baptism in the name of the Father. This is confess with your mouth and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. That's salvation. That's your personal salvation. You see baptism in the name of the Son, that's water. Baptism, that's your righteousness. And you see baptism in the name of the Spirit, which is spirit baptism. It is your power and your authority. That's the power and authority that you walk with. There are several scriptures we looked over in week two of where you saw the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all present together. Here's what you need to know. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all defer to each other. It's probably one heck of a conversation. No, you're the best. 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 It's probably amazing, okay? The Father glorifies and magnifies the Son. The Son is obedient to the Father. The Son also tells us about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus and empowers us to live in God's promises every day. That's what we have. Remember what we saw in Acts 2, 38 and 39. It's where Peter says to them, Peter just got him preaching, 3,000 are saved. It's amazing. And some come and go, hey, so what do we do? What do we do? And Peter says, repent, repent, change your old way of thinking, turn from your sinful ways, accept and follow Jesus as Messiah. Salvation. Be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Water baptism. Because of the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit, spirit baptism. So here you see the three baptisms of the Great Commission, referring to what the Holy Spirit convicts us of. Repent. This is when we accept Jesus. This is salvation. Right? This is a free gift from the Father. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. This is water baptism. This is where you affirm your faith and step boldly into discipleship. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is spirit baptism. This is where you are empowered and you walk in the full authority of God, free. Free. If, I, if we were together, I'd say, everybody say free. We say free, right? Now, what do we know about these three? God is our creator. He gave us our soul, okay? Jesus is our savior. He came in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is in us. He empowers us to walk in the authority of Christ because Christ left we get the Spirit, right? What do we need to know? What do we need to know? Here we go. Note takers, we're diving in. One, there's three things here. One, the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. He convicts us of our need for a Savior. He baptizes us in Jesus. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. This is our salvation. You can see it in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, and 13. For just as one body is with is one, and yet has many parts, and all parts, though many, form only one body. So it is with Christ. 13. Christ. For by the Holy Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Period. Verse 12 says, with who? Christ. Right? So then the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus, which means we are spiritually transformed, united together. Whether Jews or Greeks, Gentiles, slaves or free, we're all made to drink of one Holy Spirit since the same Holy Spirit fills each life. What does it say? It's for the human race. It's for everybody. Now, we're okay with that. A lot of people tend to be salvation. We understand the shed blood of Jesus. We get that. We're okay. The controversy is, well, do we need to be baptized in, in the Holy Spirit then? Right? 
if he, if the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus, then do we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? And so before we go to three, let's go to two. And two is water. So that's salvation is one. Two is water. Disciples baptize us in water. A disciple. So anybody. Wyatt can baptize me. Any, anybody. A disciple of Jesus baptizes. Okay? Once we receive salvation, we now go and we, we receive water baptism. You see this in Matthew 28, 19. It's the Great Commission. It's, it's, it is discipleship 101. Go therefore, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father and the Son, water baptism, and the Holy Spirit. What you see in this verse, you see the big three all together. It's important because we say, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? And so then, water baptism is more than just a sign. It's more than just a step. This is personal. It means something to you. It comes after your personal salvation. It's not something that somebody can wish upon you. It's a decision that you make in your faith. It's your faith journey, right? And so it's just one step. In water baptism, what you see is we identify with the death of Christ as we say goodbye to our old self. The burial of Christ when we go under the water and the resurrection of Christ when we come out a brand new person, right? And so then you are raised a new life. You are righteous. Righteous is the second thing the Holy Spirit convicts us of. Righteous in God's sight. If you want to see more about walking in righteousness, go to Colossians chapter 3. Write that down. Now, about the baptism, here's what's unique is we, we found this kind of a loophole, if you will, where some people like to hide behind Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6 and say, well, I, I don't need any more baptism except those two. Like salvation and water baptism, that's me. I'm good. And, and we're all good, right? And, and we tend to be okay with number two because it happens with human hands. And so we put our faith in man more than we put our faith in God these days, which is a, which is a bad, bad deal. Okay, I get to give you some Proverbs on that, but I'm not going to. It's a different message. And so when you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, it says there's one baptism. And we like to hide behind this if we're unsure of the Holy Spirit. This is how we've ran. This is how we ran from God's Spirit for a while. There's one body of believers and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when called to salvation. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's three things there, by the way. And one God, <laughs> one God and Father of us all, who is sovereign over all, working through all, living in all. There's three things there too. And so when you look at verse five, you see that there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And we take that one baptism, we go, that's the water baptism. Salvation, this is one baptism, is water baptism. And the people who see this and hide behind it are those same people who go to the gym and they just do lap pull and they wonder why their caps won't grow. Why is, my, why, is my, why is my whole body not responding to this? Why am I not receiving the full benefits of a workout if I only do lap pull? And that explains itself, right? Well, you're, you're, you're skipping legs. That's a problem. And so then, when you look at this verse, you have to get to the point where you see the Trinity. Yes, we would all agree there is one Lord. There's one Lord that he has three parts. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all 100% each of each other. They all defer to each other. They all work together. Remember that? You're the greatest, you're the greatest, you're the greatest stuff, right? They are, he is three in one. So they're just like, just like these three baptisms all agree. Does that make sense? Here's what's unique. If you look real close at verse six, we like to skip this. If you look at verse six, it says, who is over all God working through all and living in all. Okay, so what you see there is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. 
No big deal. Number three, Jesus, biggest point probably, Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. It's Matthew 3.11. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says. That's for me. John the Baptist, a disciple. I'm a disciple. I baptize in water. That's what he says. Disciples baptize in water. Here's more confirmation on that. I baptize you with water because of your repentance. That is because you're willing to change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret your sin, and live a changed life. That's why we get baptized. Why do I get baptized? There it is. Okay? But he, the Messiah, Jesus, who is coming after me, is mightier, more powerful, more noble than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to remove, even as his slave. I couldn't, I'm not worthy. Okay? That's how, that's how great of a, a man this is, right? He will baptize you who truly repent with the Holy Spirit. That's bold. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And you who remain, this is, this is huge, and you who remain unrepentant with fire and judgment. If you're unrepentant, remember that the Holy Spirit convicts you of judgment, right? Well, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you have power and authority. When you're unrepentant and you don't receive, He's the one who judges you with fire and judgment. Okay? You know that. So, what you need to know is in this scripture right here, this is Matthew 3, chapter 3. Okay? So then, John's not talking to the 12 disciples in this speech. This little spiel he's given. And he's not talking to the 120 in the upper room. John's talking to a common group of people here. The 12 disciples hadn't even been called yet. The 12 disciples don't get called until Matthew chapter 4. So John is telling everyone at this point. He's telling everyone. The Messiah, Jesus will baptize you and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's for everyone. He's speaking to everyone. Now, here's just a little mini dilemma. A little mini dilemma. Most people and most pastors think that one and three are the same. The Holy Spirit baptized in Jesus. Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit. They think that that is the same thing. Okay? And so then what you see with salvation, water, and spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is underlined, the Holy Spirit baptizes us in Jesus. A disciple baptized in water. We're good with that. Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not an English major, but the reality of this is two things. One, these, these are definitely three totally different points, three totally different things, and three things that Scripture clearly backs up. I just gave you all the Scripture for these three points. Okay? And so, so Scripture proves this out. And I've just taught it, said it, preached it, shared it. The reality is this. There's two different subjects here. If I go to meet somebody, okay? Let's just say I'm going to go meet Susie and Bill, okay? When I meet Bill, Bill introduces me to Susie. If I were to meet Susie, Susie would introduce me to Bill. I don't know both of them because I meet one couple. You shake two people's hands, right? And so then what you see is these two people each introduce me. The Holy Spirit introduces me to Jesus. Jesus introduces me to the Holy Spirit. It's called baptism, okay? I don't, just because I meet one, just because I know one doesn't mean that I know both, right? I don't, I don't know both if, if you only meet one. If you've only ever met Jesus and not the Holy Spirit, you know who you are. You know I'm talking to you, right? And so then, what you see in the baptisms is 
The Holy Spirit introduced me to Jesus. Jesus introduces me to the Holy Spirit. If you think that's the same, I mean, I don't know where you're at, okay? Your, th your thinking's off. They cannot be. There's two different subjects there, okay? It's just simple grammar if we're going to talk about it. So then, here's what you see, number one. For a little bit more clarity, if the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what it is, and he introduces me to Jesus, that baptism is the baptism the Holy Spirit performs. He performs that baptism. It's found in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The Holy Spirit performs this when you get saved. We call it salvation. Conversion, right? In number three, <clears throat> the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is, or with, we call it in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit, prepositions, they both interchange, it's fine. That's Matthew 3.11. This is the baptism that Jesus gives you after your salvation. He wants to baptize you in the Spirit. Why? Why, one, it follows water baptism, but two, he wants you to walk in power and authority. He knows, it's John 14.12, for I've done great things, but because I'm going to the Father, you'll do greater. How do you do greater? Holy Spirit. Has to happen. And again, we don't struggle with water baptism because it happens with human hands. This is what it is. Now, here's what's awesome. You see the baptism of the Holy Spirit in all four Gospels. You don't see many things in all four Gospels because they're in different times. And I'm not going to go into that today. But what you do see is this. It's super significant that you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit in all four Gospels. For example, there's only five things you see in all four. The birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the feeding of 5,000, which is monstrous, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For your notes, we made a lower third for this. I'm just going to let you screenshot it. Here's where you're going to find the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You want to reach or reach or dig on that later. Now, moving forward, let's go back to the three things we're focusing on: the big three: salvation, water, and spirit. Okay, because what you see in one, two, and three is salvation, water, and spirit. Okay. Now, seeing the lower third on your screen, you ask this question: Did Jesus? Did Jesus experience these three baptisms? I mean, he is our example. He's the one that we follow right? He's the, he's, he's the guy. He's who we look to. Did he experience these three? Salvation, water baptism, spirit baptism. And so the biggest thing that we like to get hung up on is, is the birth. And so here's, before we go there, let's answer our question. When we receive salvation, we are born again. We're born again believers. We've all heard that. Now, being born again means you're a new person. Not just a new person. You're a new creation and you're now a child of God. You're essentially stepping back into the throne, adopted sons and daughters is what we sometimes call it. And you're stepping back and you're a child of God. You're a perfect child of God, not by your performance. A lot of us chase that rabbit trail and it's empty. Okay, You're not perfect by your performance. You're perfect by your position. You're adopted. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a child of God by your position. Okay, Now, so that when you're born, you're born again. You're born a perfect child. So then did Jesus, was Jesus born again? No, he wasn't. Because he was born right the first time. He's the only person on the face of the earth who's not had to have a do-over to get to heaven. He was heaven. Right? He was born a perfect child of God. And so because he was born a perfect child of God means he doesn't have to be born again. Period. Second, did he receive water baptism? 
Absolutely. You know this story. It's similar. It's so, so meaningful to me because it's how I related to Jesus. It's how I related to being seen as a son of God, right? The clouds part. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. He baptizes with water, right? Brings him out. As soon as he brings him out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends upon him, right? And so then, yes, Jesus received these three baptisms. The biggest question that I think we should be asking is this. If Jesus, if Jesus, the perfect son of God, right, needed the person of the Holy Spirit while he was on earth, how much more do you think we need the Holy Spirit? Think about that. So then, in Jesus, if you look at Jesus, our example, he was born a perfect child of God. He was water baptized. He was spirit baptized. Okay, this is a pattern in scripture. It starts with the one that we follow. So now that you're aware of it, you see that lower third on there. Let's look at Acts 2.38. What What does Peter say? Peter says, repent, be baptized, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do you see? Repent, that's how we receive salvation, right? You have to take a step out, which is publicly, be baptized, right? Be baptized in water and then receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a big three right there. Salvation, water, spirit. Now, I want to show you three places in Acts where you see this happen. Just three. So if you're in your Bibles, you want to take notes, you want to screenshot these, you totally can. This is super important because we're following Jesus and we're seeing once Jesus departed, where we see the, the apostles, the disciples actually living this out. So in Acts 2, that's where Peter tells it, okay? This is, this is in Acts 2, you have uh, Pentecost. The, this is the falling, the move, the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. Let's look at Acts 8. Acts 8, this is verse 12 through 17. This is Philip. Philip is preaching. If I got any Philips watching today, I see you. Okay, but when they believed... But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. When they believed, they were baptized. Salvation, water baptism. Now, that could be it. Could be it. Two baptisms, call it good. We tend to do that, right? Those are the two. We like that Ephesians 4 verse. Okay, but what's the Bible say? Let's fast forward to verse 14. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard Samaria had welcomed God's message, they sent Peter and John to them. Sent Peter and John. Hey, send Peter and John. Right? After, after they went down there, they prayed for them so the, Samar- so the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit. They might receive. Yet they haven't had it yet. For he had not yet come down to them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Son, Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So then now they believed, they were baptized, and they received the, received the Holy Spirit. Salvation, water, spirit. Let's go all the way to Acts 19 now. Acts 19. Here's Paul. So we get Acts 2, Acts 8, and Acts 19. Paul's traveling, okay? He comes to Ephesus. He found some disciples. Verse 2, game changer. He says, <laughs> he's just coming along. Hey, Comes upon us some disciples. He say, "Did you receive? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit?" Now this is Paul. He's the greatest apostle ever walked the face of the earth. We all agree with that. He wrote one third 
of the New Testament. This is the guy, okay? And he knows right now when he shows up, hey, did you receive the power of the Holy Spirit when you believed? Right? And he just asks him straight up. Essentially, did anybody tell you? Anybody tell you? This is an amazing question. We stopped asking this question today. Upon salvation, upon salvation, what happens? You need to be water baptized. Good luck. Okay? We've stopped asking for fear of offending somebody or, or fear of losing control of self. Right? And so here, look what they say in verse 2, the end of verse 2. No, they told him, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? We don't even know. We got no clue, man. Right? These guys must be from the same small church that I got saved in my first time when I was just a young boy. Right? What? What? There's a spirit. What are you talking about? Right? We only fill our tank once a year. That's for water baptism. Okay? Here's what's funny is I didn't know, I didn't know that there was a Holy Spirit when I was 13 years old and I got saved. I didn't have a clue. You know why? Nobody told me. That's part of the reason that I've prayed the prayer twice, that I've received salvation twice, right? Now, my name was in the book the first time, but I had to come back around and actually receive. I had to actually receive. And so what's funny is, is my name is in two churches' books for salvation, but only once in heaven. It only, it only takes one time in heaven. Two churches have counted my salvation, but heaven says, yeah, we had you. We had you. And so let that be a word for those, any of you who believe you have to pray the prayer of salvation every week because you continually screw up. You need to repent every week. There needs to be repentance, true repentance, heartfelt, compassionate repentance, right? But if you pray the prayer of salvation, you're in the book. You're in the book. And so let's finish this up. Paul is concerned and he wants to check their salvation. So he says, then what, what baptism were you baptized with? And they say, well, with John's baptism, which is water baptism, John the Baptist, right? And Paul says, John baptized the baptism of repentance, telling uh, the people that they should believe. Believe. Salvation, right? And the one who come after him in Jesus, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Water. So they're good now, right? And, and, and Paul can move on. No, no, he can't. So let's look at verse 6. Here's what Paul confirms. 19.6. Paul had laid his hands on them. At that time, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in other languages and to prophesy. We covered that last week. Prophecy, languages, is just encouragement. Okay? So just treat it as that, or go check out last week's message. Now, a lot of people think that the Holy Spirit only came in Acts chapter 2. That's it. That's Acts 2. Right? That's false. It happened four times in the book of Acts alone. Okay, and what you see in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. We know that. In Acts chapter 8, what you see in Acts chapter 8, when Philip is preaching, this is five years after Pentecost. This is five years. And Philip, it's still being taught. Salvation, water baptism, spirit baptism. And in Acts chapter 10, which we didn't cover, it's where the Gentiles got saved. In Acts chapter 10, that's 10 years after that's 10 years after Pentecost, and they're still teaching salvation, water baptism, spirit baptism. And then when you get to Acts 19, you get to Acts 19, you see Paul approach these guys. And he says, hey, did you receive? Did you receive when you believed? And they go, what? That's 25 years after Pentecost. That's 25 years after Pentecost. 
Think about that. What's sad is just only, we're 2,000 years removed from that. Just 25 years later, they say, what spirit? People had already stopped. Disciples had already stopped sharing about the Holy Spirit. And so let's get to the end here. Let's look at 1 John 5, 7 through 8. This is in relation to our lower third today, uh, salvation, water, and spirit. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. This is the Trinity. Jesus has been called the Word. So what you see in this place is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's easy for us to believe this verse, 1 John 5, 7. It's simple theology, right? This verse shows you there are three in heaven who bear witness to spiritual life and supernatural uh, supernatural things that happen on earth. They, they bear witness from heaven, We're all, and they're all in agreement. They're all in agreement. They all defer to each other, right? Verse 8, And there are three that bear witness on the earth, spirit, water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. Spirit, water, the blood. What's blood for? Salvation. Salvation, shedding of blood. That's how we receive salvation because Jesus came perfect, sinless, shed his blood so that we could receive salvation, blood. So then you see Father, Son, Holy Spirit, water, spirit, salvation. You see it. You see it, right? And so then what do we know? We know the Holy Spirit convicts us of salvation, that we're baptized in water, and that Jesus baptized us in the Holy Spirit. That's Matthew 3.11. So then as we close, as we close, we're just hitting on the big three, man. When you get saved, simply put this this way. When you get saved, you become a new person. When you get water baptized, the old person is left behind. It's buried in baptism. You come out a new creation. You're raised to new life in Christ. When you receive spirit baptism, you now walk in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. You walk in the Spirit. You walk in the new. You need the power and authority to walk in the new, to live victoriously. So what you see is God does a complete work from old all the way to new, and He gives you the keys to the car. For I've done great things, but you'll do greater. And He's in heaven to bear witness, and it happens on earth too. Now what you know is when you get saved, you get heaven. Many people are saved, okay? Salvation gets you to heaven. But water and spirit baptism empower you to live victoriously on the earth. It's what you need. And so many people receive salvation and water baptism and miss out on what they need to walk in the new. They miss out on the power and the authority of God. And so... If you're uh, aware of the Tabernacle of Moses, I'm going to put a picture up for you. Tabernacle of Moses, I'm going Old Testament to show you that this has been around from the beginning, since the, since the beginning. And what you have in this picture is the outer court, which is essentially kind of the wall that surrounds the court. Everything that's outside those tents is called the outer court, or that tent, rather. And then you have the inner court, which is underneath that tent. And underneath the tent, or the covering, there are two places there. There's a holy place and the most holy place, okay? And the goal was the same then as it is now, that we would get into the presence of God, okay? And so when you came to the tabernacle, if you look at the picture, there's only one way in, and it might be cut off because I had to format this to your screen. 
but um, it's on your lower left. It would be on your lower left, the way in. And on the way in to the tabernacle, there are three things that you had to do before you could come into the presence of God. Now, there are three things that you had to do before you came into the presence of God. This is not a coincidence. This is the Bible. We've been talking the big three all day. This is real. This is real. So let's look. Can't make this stuff up. The first thing you would do when you came into the tabernacle in the outer court is you would come to an altar. You come to an altar. And at the altar, this is where you would shed the blood of a lamb as a sacrifice. We all know that that blood represents salvation. Jesus is the lamb. He shed his blood for us. This is how we can receive salvation. This was the symbol when you entered the tabernacle, salvation. The second thing you would come to is a laver where you would wash with water. Do you see it? You see it right there past, <laughs> past the altar. This is incredible. This is what represents water baptism. You washed here before you went in. And before you could enter the presence of God, which is, there's again, there's two places underneath this tent, the, the holy place and the holy of holies. Before you could enter the presence of God right there at the tent, there was a flask and that flask was full of oil. And you were to be anointed with oil before you enter. They poured this oil over your head. Don't you know that the oil, several times throughout scripture, represents the Holy Spirit. This is spirit baptism. Now, what you see in the tabernacle, salvation, water baptism, spirit baptism, before Jesus ever came. This is what it meant to be in the presence of God. Now, a lot of you know, if you try to get in or come into the presence of God without one of these three and you stepped in, you died. You died. Okay? And the reality of where we are today is this. Many Christians, many believers, many people who aren't even saved right now can get down with the fact that we need a Savior. The Holy Spirit's conviction that we need a Savior is real. Yes, I need to be saved and I receive salvation. And, and at some point we come to the grips that we need water salvation, that we need to be water baptized. We're going to come to grip. As long as the pool's heated, we can do that. When it comes to spirit baptism, that's the one we go, you know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of creepy. I'm not sure. Let me just go around that. And we dip spirit baptism. And we say, no, it's not for me. And we try to get into God's presence anyways. But in it, we feel dead. We feel alone. We feel powerless. We feel weak. We feel lifeless because we've left the power and the authority that we're to walk in out of the equation. And today there are a lot of people walking around just like that because they've skipped spirit baptism. Remember John 16, 7, what Jesus says? God put this on my heart this morning. This is just a, a bonus. But I tell you the truth, it's to our advantage. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I go, if I do not go away, the helper, he can't come. Who's the helper? The Holy Spirit, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. He will not come to you. But if I go, if I go, I will send him the Holy Spirit to you to be in close fellowship with you. Right? We see it. 
So then what, are you, what am I saying? Let's go to Jesus on the cross. It's his last breath. This is his last breath. It's Matthew 27, 50 through 52. I'm in the Amplified because it says it's so, so good. Jesus cried out again with a loud, agonized voice, and he gave up his spirit voluntarily, sovereignly, dismissing and releasing his spirit from his body in submission to the Father's plan, the Father's will. And at once, the veil of the Holy of Holies, the temple, was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints, or God's people, had fallen asleep in death, were raised to life. God's people were raised to life. Those who were dead and lifeless without power were raised to life in a split second. The moment Jesus gives up his spirit, there is life in those who are called God's people. In that moment, and we have a ton of Christians, a ton of believers walking around who feel dead because they've not received the power of the Holy Spirit. They've not been baptized in the Spirit. And so look what happens. Look what happens in that one verse when when Jesus releases the Spirit. Life. God's people are raised to life. Now, here's a simple truth. We don't get we don't get to make the rules or create the rules of how we come into God's presence. It's not our responsibility. The reality is Jesus paved the way. And if you have salvation and you trust Jesus, you believe Jesus that much, he paved the way. You can trust spirit baptism because Jesus knows the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit knows Jesus and they both want to introduce you to each other, right? The only way that you live victoriously on the earth is with the big three. Salvation, water baptism, spirit baptism. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are, or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.